We spend so much time talking about connections. Our battery to our starter, gas tank to our fuel line. Shoot, even our tires need a connection to keep from rolling away. But as I've gotten older and my sky blue coat has faded to rust, I've realized the important connections we make aren't the ones under the hood. They're the ones we make in the world. And the good ones are more rare than a Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR Uhlenholt Coupe. I've never been an easy friendship for anyone to make. Dadgum, most cars usually change lanes without telling me. That leads to long nights rolling on the lonely pavement. When the clouds gathered above me on one of my solitary drives, I figured it was nothing more than a summer storm. But instead of rain or thunder, a small glowing craft descended down to rest in front of me. It didn't look like anything I'd seen before, and yet I felt like I'd known it my entire life. That instant connection when you come across the other half of yourself that you never knew was missing. We were each other's shadow. We even had the same name. Sort of. And when he was taken from me, it was like all my connections had been severed at once and stomped into the desert sand. But once you've had a friend like that taken from you, you'll risk everything to get reconnected. Maybe we broke the law. Maybe we drove off into the night. Maybe we're soaring now among the stars, two halves of a whole finally connected. I guess it just depends if you believe me. Or if you think this is just another tall tale. In 2006, Pixar made a movie about cars. But the world had no humans. The universe seemed bizarre. So we're asking, Kahu, Kawhi, Kawin, Kawhi, Kahau. Welcome to Kahau. This is a podcast that looks under the hood of Pixar's Cars universe and attempts to diagnose how this world came to be. The films, shorts, books, and video games contain clues, and only by inspecting all of these clues can we answer whether this is a series of stories meant for children or a chilling look at the consequences of the hubris of man. My name is Carolyn, and I'm here with... I am Jeremy. Hello. Uh, yeah, so, you know, hopefully you've been here for the previous four episodes. It would be weird to start with this I one. I would jump in now. Yeah, if yeah. you're jumping in now, welcome. Uh, so in each episode here, we're going to look at a different theory uh, about how how this mm -hmm. came to be. So far, we've covered the theory that cars were always the dominant species in the universe, so humans never existed. Mm -hmm. uh, a very horny episode that wonders if cars are a biological evolution or combination of, mm -hmm. of machine and man. Um, we've also looked at if cars were our creation, and now that's all that's left of us. We are long gone, and they remain. Uh, if you want to go on those drives with us, pause here, go back, check them out. They're, uh, they are what they are. I'm not going to say they're good. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they are very much what they are. Um, you know, and these were based on things that we know about our world and sort of yeah. the rules of Earth and what happens here. Very grounded episodes, grounded possibilities. So what we're going to do today is... Look at things that maybe aren't earthly possibilities, because what if the truth didn't come from Earth at all? Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, and last week we talked a little bit, or, you know, quite a bit, I think, when we were going into artificial intelligence, talked mm -hmm. about science fiction. Uh, this episode's a lot 
you know, going to go deeper down the science fiction rabbit hole. More the um, fiction of science fiction. Yes, the fiction of science fiction. But like we all know, thanks to Thor, <laughs> science fiction leads to science fact. Always. Uh, so most of the things that we've been talking about uh, are more grounded in reality. Now we're jumping into science fiction. But science fiction always inspires what later becomes science. A lot of scientists, when they're interviewed, they say they grew up on Star Trek and, and you know, saw something and thought, what if? Yeah, and they try to create it. Yeah. Right? There's people who create lightsabers now. They're like, yeah. I want to make a working lightsaber. They wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for... Right. You know, the movies and, and the same with like, I've seen and I, I'm not going to look it up now or anything, but someone has tried to create the, you know, the Star Trek thing where it can sort of transport you from one place, you know, the beam me up yeah. type of thing where it'll send actual stuff from one place to another, which I don't even want to think about. But it is something that people have said, oh, well, well you know, Gene if? Roddenberry was, a, you know, a science fiction genius who thought about this stuff that was you know, based a little bit on what he imagined could be possible and cool. And yeah. so the science fiction, then people are like, well, what if we could do that? This episode, we're going to go a little bit further, uh, you know, out of our plane of existence, out yeah. of our sort of known universe. And so when we're going there, I want to start, this is just always the way my brain works. I want to ask a just a solid foundational question, because before we do this, because we are trying to, every theory that we get into look at is this something that could be true not right. just saying yeah they're talking they're talking cars it's just yeah. that's their world no we're basing it on our world and what we know to be true we're almost like reverse engineering trying to make this yeah. a reality. like how yeah how yeah. can we make this a true thing yeah. um so i'm just going to start with the question are we alone in the universe oh. and just putting it out there we are not going to answer this question. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's no chance. But we're going to dig in. We're going to look at the odds of whether or not there's other life in the cosmos, just quickly to give us a baseline of like, okay. as we're getting into looking out at outer space, is there potential mm -hmm. that there is something out there? Um, and there's really two schools of thoughts on this. You know, the one is based on just plain odds. There are mm -hmm. trillions of stars, more stars in the sky than grains of sand on Earth, which is one of my favorite science facts mm -hmm. out there. Um, it's true and it's insane. So just from a pure odds standpoint, you have to think that there has to be another planet out there that has at least a similar enough makeup to ours and, you know, atmospheric and otherwise. And is in the Goldilocks zone, which is that zone around a star where it's not too hot, not too cold, so that we can have water, we can have all the things that we need. So far, we've discovered 4,000 or so planets out there. 50 of them are considered Earth-like, which means they're in that zone. Of course, you know, could we ever travel to them? Who knows? But that's not really the point here. Right. It's just that's the one side that says just, you know, from an odd standpoint, that's that's what this is. We're not going to get too wrapped up in it, though, because that's another podcast that smart people would do. Yeah. That's not, that's we're not, not what we're here to do. We're, it's, in, it's in the show notes that we're not qualified <laughs> no. to do anything. Uh, the other school of thought is simply that if there were all of these aliens out there, why haven't we ever seen them? You know, there's still a lot of, you know, unexplained. They used to be called UFOs. They're now called UAPs. Yeah. I don't really like that change. No, I don't uh, like it. 
Like UFO sounds like, UFO oh, I get it. got a bad rap. Yeah, UAP. UFO, I think, because it probably got too conflated with, like, crazy people. Well, and it got way too conflated, like, mixed with just aliens. Yeah. Like, you hear UFO and people think alien, when yeah. really it's just something you're not sure. Yeah, now you have a UAP, which sounds like something that you get medicine for yeah. and you get rid of, and that's fine. Absolutely. But, um... And, and I was thinking about this, too, and there's no science behind this, so, but just like kind of anecdotally, I feel like in the time before cell phones, there were a lot more, I saw a UFO. Yeah. Because you people would just have to be like, oh, okay, that guy saw a UFO. I had a professor in college that told us his UFO story. He was a psychology professor. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and, and I think that they're like... Uh, again, I don't know what people were seeing and what was going on, <laughs> but I. But part of me is like, well, we all have a camera in our pocket yeah. constantly now. Wouldn't there be more videos of just, and again, could they jam our camera and our technology? And like, we've all seen movies where it's like, oh, as soon as they get around, like, mm-hmm. oh, all the technology has gone out. I don't know. I watch a lot of paranormal shows. Brag. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, I like, it's something i have on in the background while i'm working or even falling asleep or a lot of these like paranormal caught on camera and all these and there are a lot of videos where people are like i caught something weird in the sky and a lot of them are weird but they are all completely different and none of i don't know if they're aliens they could just be weird tricks of light weird weather things weird anything so even though we are actually getting way more footage of it. It still isn't. Yeah, there's and there's one, I feel like it was in Phoenix, maybe, like... The Phoenix Lights. Yeah, mm-hmm. where it's just kind of like you see this interesting formation of lights, and you mm-hmm. say, well, I don't know what that is. It could very well be a formation of very quiet government crafts yeah. that are going to be used for something that they're not going to come out and be like, oop, that was us raising our hand. Right. We, we put those crafts well, out there. Well, now look at what we can do with drones. And imagine how long drones were around before they were really public. Before you could buy one at Target, they were floating around up yeah, there. Yeah, they're floating around and people are driving them and occasionally they lose control of yeah. them and they end up over a forest and your psychology professor is taking a walk. And He was actually playing basketball. Okay. You know, we're not talking. This isn't a podcast really, about really him. Low, we have another podcast spinning. about him. <laughs> That's, but, I remember him telling that story and I was like, I'm paying for this. Yeah. You're supposed to be, te- you're supposed yeah. to be smarter than. If me. I'm paying for this, show me evidence. I right? want to see the video. <laughs> if not, let's move also, on. Also, this is not an alien class. But um, yeah, and so and that pretty much comes up with a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's the the footage of the thing flying over. You know, like the, the was it Navy pilots mm-hmm. that it's that tic tac video. Yeah. Yep. So that's like, well, what is that? We don't have an explanation. It's unidentified aerial phenomenon. Aerial so phenomenon. those are those seem to be the explanations, but. You know, you can go all the way back to like Project Blue Book and stuff where there have always been a percentage of things that even the people who look into them and study them can't figure out what what was that. Um, And so that's where anytime you have gray area like that, that's where people's minds start to take over and fill in the blanks and create Mm -hmm. these wonderful stories. That's our jumping off point. So for now, uh, let's just say it's a very big universe out there. So please, let's all just jump aboard Roger, and we all know Roger is a space shuttle Mm -hmm. from Moon Mater, and let's head to space and see what's up. Yeah. See what's out there and see if any of the things that we discover in our journey among the stars give us any clarity into what's actually happening 
in Radiator Springs. <laughs> the first theory, I pretty much discounted this almost right away, but it's the Galaxy Quest theory. Great movie. Love that movie. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, definitely go watch it. I think there's a Venn diagram. If you're listening to this, you like it's just, it's just a circle it, because yeah. you have to have seen it. By right. Now. Okay. But you know there might be one person out. One there. person, get on it. We might have some younger listeners. It's your psychology professor. Psychology he won't. Professor. He will not watch anything now that. No, yeah. he's very triggered he's by all. Poor of guy. That. It was like a full flying saucer the way he described it too. It was it's so like, cool. I wish I could see one. I really do. I don't know if I want to see one because then, I mean. I don't want to like say people are crazy. I don't believe that you're crazy if you've seen these things, but there is a stigma when you tell someone and I don't want to have that stigma. Yeah. I'm weird enough. Mm -hmm. I'm here with you. Yeah. We're in a garage recording a podcast about cars. Yeah. I don't need anything else. Yeah. <laughs> that separates me from the norm. Which, uh, which which leads me to we are never going to release this. This is <laughs> this is we can't. That's like the ultimate telling people how, how yeah. strange you are, but. But so, Gal so oh, I, yeah, I so know Galaxy the movie, yes. but what... So summary of Galaxy Quest is there is this, uh, this alien species, and they, because you know how we release radio signals into space, television signals, we've been releasing like TV shows into space. And they don't ever stop. They don't stop. They just go forever. They just go forever. So this alien species intercepted... Um, a show called Galaxy Quest, which is basically Star Trek. It's a big parody on Star Trek. Um, and they thought that those were our actual records of how we live. And those were real people. They weren't actors. And they come to our planet and ask for help. Science fiction leads to science fact. Yeah. There it is. Um. So basically, oh, and they, they kind of copy a little bit how the show so they've built a spaceship that's exactly the same as the show so that the captain tim allen can jump in and be able to pilot the spacecraft that he is familiar with he'd probably be a little upset now that they were too woke for him I and he would woke. yeah he Absolutely. wouldn't he would not want to be a part of that now no i mean one of them is like a squid woman oh my gosh liberals <laughs> um uh, so that would be relating this back to cars it would be that Radiator Springs is another alien species that is fashioning themselves. So they're on a distant planet. They're on a distant planet. They've seen they see human us, they've life. They've cars. Yeah, they're like, they... oh, that's real. They yeah, so we're going to do that. The movie Cars, maybe. And they now are modeling themselves. And, and that's like, why that seems sustainable. everything, they've even built their planet up. Their cities look like our cities. Yes. Everything like that. So the theory would be that Radiator Springs is not on Earth. Right. This is not an earthly it's not. planet. It is just a planet in the... So why... Sounds plausible. It sounds, sounds plausible. Uh, I have no way of proving it right or wrong. Yeah, it's just I'm kinda, not going into space ever. Well, you're on Roger right now, and we're in space. Let's not blow that illusion oh, for people. I, uh, only on Roger. Okay, good. <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, I forgot the rules. Not where I was. <laughs> So that's so that yeah that's I mean it kind of that's not what I'm hanging my hat on. Right. That Galaxy Quest theory. But it's at least something that yeah cuz there's not there's nothing you know if it were to be true mm -hmm. right the 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 people in Galaxy Quest 
uh, or the aliens, I should say, yes. in Galaxy Quest. Um, they talk about the transmissions they've received. They yeah. talk about the fact that, like, they say, oh, we've we've gotten that. We, you know, the cars are never like, thank God we got those transmissions from space of this other species that we're right. now all watching, right? Yeah. They're not, like, watching TV shows of humans and being like, hey, we're, we're trying to be like them now. No, they have movies, Pixar movies, that are... That have cars in them, like the Toy Story. Yeah. It's like those weird, uh, like, companies that make a version of a movie after the... Like, they're like, yeah. oh, there's a Transformers movie. We're going to make Transmorphers. Yes. And they put it out, and people would rent it by mistake back when you could do those kind of things. Um, I did that on Netflix once. I tried to get Pirates of the Caribbean. I got Pirates, which is the largest budget pornography film ever made <laughs> wow that's let's we're gonna get into that uh off like, off minute. mic um but uh so that's so the galaxy quest is like again great movie there's a world where something like that could be true yeah because if this were true i guess i guess how it could be true is that there is an alien species that looks like our cars but is not and then they've built their the world to look like our Route 66. That's how I would combine those two. Yeah, but it, but they would probably have a, a statue of like a prominent human that they looked to, like Tim right. Allen. They'd be like, we, yeah. we just want to all be like Tim Allen, our, the, the model human. Um, so that's, Instead that's where Stanley. that goes. So, okay, so where, where my head went, because I started to think about what... What outer spacey type things? Because when you open it up to science fiction, there's just so much. It's, yeah. it's endless. And so, but where I went to is, is you know, what is a popular alien science fiction car universe? And I landed on our old friends, the Transformers. Great. Uh, I was a huge Transformers fan growing up. You know, there's been nearly 40 years of, of Transformers, some of it in a certain continuity, but a lot of it kind of, you know, like a lot of things, like Star Wars before Disney, like mm -hmm. it branches off into a lot of different, uh, very cool takes on what it is. Is it almost like comic books where there's almost like different universes? Yeah, and, and it's it's sort of been, it's gone on, it's changed hands, you know, in terms of the, the lead creatives a few times and whether it's the you know, original stories or the cartoon or the movies or the new cartoon. There's always sort of a, a different thing. And so I'm not going to try to really give a, an overall continuity of what it is, because that would be insane. Uh, I will say that they seem to also owe a debt to uh, Isaac Asimov's Sally, which oh, I will yeah. will sort of get into. So basically, for, for anyone out there who doesn't know Transformers, uh, you know, they're robots in disguise. They're more than meets the eye there <laughs> you know, it's a toy that transforms into a car that's kind of where it began it was a line of toys uh adapted from an earlier japanese toy uh whether or not it was stolen and sort of copied uh eh, you know there's well, there's a lot there's a lot out. into that uh there was also GoBots back at the time which was like the cheap uh transform <laughs> like if you got a GoBot, it would basically like you to unfold it and you're like that's it it's yeah. kind of sucks i had those too <laughs> they wouldn't you didn't play with them as much but they they kind of were there too um so they had this toy so hasbro turned to marvel where their uh their editor-in-chief was a guy named jim shooter and and dennis o'neill they developed the story behind the toys so they kind of looked at this toy on a table and mm -hmm. said well what's its backstory how do we create a, a whole universe around this thing that that transforms and they brought in uh bob 
Uriansky, probably saying that name wrong, but but that's who it is, who's a writer, editor, penciler over at Marvel, and he came up with a lot of the names, the attributes, and he wrote, you know, anything you'd see on the toy packaging, or like, this is the name, this is where they, mm-hmm. you, you know, their whole history, that was written by, by Bob, so they kind of brought in this, like, really great team of, of Marvel creatives to put the wrapping around what is a, what is a Transformer. And so the, the most straightforward story is that there were the, the early days, there were two warring factions of robots. They crash landed on earth long ago and basically like fell asleep for a long time. And then they woke <laughs> up to do battle, you know, kind of like, okay. remember war of the worlds where yeah. it's like, Oh, they've been here the whole time. Yeah. So that way you didn't have to worry about like, where did these robots come from? Well, they're just here when our story begins. Um, but then the cartoon changed that original story to be that, they came here to find a new energy source. They had okay. to create some kind of thing that they needed to, you know, there's a reason why they came to Earth. It was to... It's a big alien thing. Big alien thing. And they, you know, they came from a planet called Cybertron. Okay. In some versions, that's also... Uh, Cybertron is also the body of Primus, who was their creator. Sometimes it's not. Either way, it's like a big futuristic metal planet. Right. Like okay. it's, you know, got yeah. all this. It's very wild looking. If you look it up, it's just kind of like this big metal thing. And, and again, apologies to any huge Transformers fans out there for small details. I'm getting wrong. I promise I'm doing my best. <laughs> but this is not, <laughs> a not a Transformers podcast. podcast. <laughs> um, and again, I like I watched it a lot when I was a kid, but it wasn't like it I didn't like I didn't it... dig into that level of like the the granular it what sounds is like it this may not world. have even had that from its inception yeah it was pretty pretty yeah. basic back then um you know like a, a lot of what you would read about it is then contradicted by what came later uh but either way transforming robots from space who are always mad at each other and usually ending up on earth getting into some hijinks did they ever have a reason why they were fighting because they're from opposite sides they're probably fighting over the energy source you know it's good versus evil it's just they want different things or they both want the energy source or okay you know it's again there was a reason there's probably great transformers podcasts out there everybody should listen to those uh turn this off and go listen to those (laughs) if you're really into it but so this is where the interesting thing i think comes in that makes it very relevant for us for cars for sally for all these things Mm -hmm. um and that is the spark. The spark is the Transformers version of unobtainium, right? It's a positronic substance that is under their hood or inside of their robot self. Uh, it is created from this supernatural element called rarefied energon, energon, one okay. or the other. But it's the basically it is the thing under the hood, kept in a spark chamber. It is their heart, soul, and genetic code. So wow. the thing that gives them life and personality beyond them being just a, a machine is the spark. So it's like when you go to the Droid Depot at Galaxy's Edge and you... You get your little you chip, your that personality, personality chip. chip. Okay. And so this this seems to be the thing, you know, as we've talked about with cars, there's no, there's no like sense that there's something under the hood or there's something there that we know gives them life they the never talk that about it's like it. organic material anytime yeah. we see anything yeah and the and the transformers are seemingly no organic material no. at all they'll transform from a car to a, a robot and 
there's no like they don't like have a tongue right uh, unfortunately <laughs> yeah like because that would have been pretty cool but it's also what's really cool is the spark contains some part of their their physical being because in the transformers universe universe when these robots die they go to an afterlife there is a oh. robot afterlife where they can sort of go to so when you think about like science fiction religion kind of coming together yeah there is these robots have a much more human existence or or existence that we would recognize as, as like there's there's yeah there's birth life and death yeah. and your soul is the thing that carries on afterwards which is is kind of nice i mean it's it especially is nice for me because i remember as a kid seeing the transformers movie when optimus prime died and turned gray and i got <laughs> sad i had rented the vhs very excited and it's like that was the the time before the internet where you yeah. didn't find out about the fact that oh there's a very traumatic thing that happens like 10 minutes into this movie you're gonna yeah. lose lose your guy you're gonna be playing with your toy and watching the movie <laughs> and then right there on screen in front of you it's gonna die and you're gonna be sad um, but where I came at it was like, it's an alien race of robots that have an unseen spark. Could they have come to earth mm -hmm. peacefully or hostily? There's a lot of versions of this lived with humans and eventually taken over. So could that have been the cars? Could the okay. cars that we see in this universe, much like transformers, they came from a big metal planet. They flew yeah. here on a Roger, very much like we're in right now, and little uh -huh. by little, uh, started reproducing. However, they do that and and do it. Maybe right. Go back Maybe to three. the one the one thing or, or one thing. There's more than one thing, but the you know where I was trying to line them up one to one. You look at the personalities of cars. Super goofy, right? Yeah. They're not they're not hell bent on taking over the world. They're not going after some energy substance. They don't have like other than having a rival racer that you're trying to win a race against. There's yeah. not like a big, you know, warring faction Even the of cars. Villains and like cars too. They're spying on each other for is there a reason? I mean, it's kind of they're <laughs> they're trying to basically uh, let's not get into the plot of cars too. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> we'll be here all day. But it supports um, your theory. But you know, they're not they're not Autobots and Decepticons. Mm -hmm. They're not these two warring factions. They also have organic material in them. The cars where they have tongues, where the others don't. Yeah. Um, and really, is there any evidence in Cars media? that the cars come from another planet, I would say no, because if there was, there would be, there wouldn't be a single space shuttle and a space program kind of like we have, where it's like, ooh, this is a big special thing. If they came from another planet, there'd be like a constant, hey, we're going to head back, or there's new cars coming in from space again, doesn't yeah. ever appear in the media. So from that Transformers perspective, are the cars much like Transformers from their own version of Cybertron, Radiator Springs of Tron out <laughs> in space. They're here peacefully. Then they, no, there's no, there's really no evidence of it. But uh, who knows? When we get to the end, we might think that it, it has more weight than others. You know what, for some reason, popped into my head during that is the fly. Okay. Please. Continue. And is there. A world so you know in in the fly he goes into a machine that is going to i forget is it gonna like 
transport him somewhere? I think so, yeah. Kind and then like, the fly goes in there Yeah, with like him. Willy Wonka, mm. Mike TV, he's going to Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then there's a fly in the machine, and it scrambles their DNA together. Is that... That could... I mean, I mean in terms of a science fiction world... Yeah. The fly averse the fly theory yes the fly theory. seems to i would say hold more water than yeah. transformers or galaxy quest because the cars certainly seem to be some type of a uh hybrid of two it's things it's a real combination of two things that are opposites so we're we're imagining a future where a scientist inspired by gene roddenberry yeah. says i'm going to i'm going to figure out a way I want to drive cross country. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to take four days. I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to drive into this machine. They're going to press a button. It's going to turn my car into a bunch of small little pixels of matter, transport them over space and time to the other coast Maybe, of, yeah, of he's the like United in his States. Car. Yeah. He's like, we're going to. Yeah. yeah. So, you, so then you can drive when you get there. You don't have to rent a car. Right. right? So that's why, that's why you do it in your car. Mm-hmm. Um, but when this person gets there, oh, no. These two it's things warped. have combined into something unholy. But oh. then I guess the only my only pushback against that would be if it happened to one person, no one would ever get in that machine no, ever again. Never. So you wouldn't have you wouldn't have and it was like, a mistake in the fly. Like yeah. Yeah. everyone didn't become a fly in the fly because I don't think there's a lot of people out there who would go you mean I could be a part of my car? Yeah. Ka-chow. Actually, there are probably There's some people. more people than we met like one of them admit. once. Yeah. He had a car named Vanilla. It was his yeah. intimate friend. He absolutely um, would. He would absolutely do that. Uh, but yeah, no, I, th- I think that's very... In- I mean, it's that's interesting in a one-off way of like... Yeah. That's, a, that's a way that you could combine these two things... That's if you could scientifically prove that the fly could happen. Here's the thing. I I have a way. Okay. I think, based on my very limited scientific understanding, but I found something that I am going to go full in on. Let me buckle my seatbelt. not in space. It is here on Earth. What? This is not science fiction. This is science fact. This is real. <laughs> but at one point it was science fiction. Yeah, absolutely. And it took them a very long time. So I discovered that in around 2010, a biotechnologist named Craig Venter assembled Shout a team. Shout out Craig. Shout out Craig. I would love to talk to him. He's like, I was tr- I was watching videos and he was talking and I was like, I only know some of these words, but he was pretty good at, you know, describing it. So he had a team and they created life from scratch. So they started by writing code in a computer. They built a chromosome using four bottles of chemicals. They assembled the chromosome in yeast. They transplanted it into a recipient bacterial cell, which transformed that cell into a brand new bacterial species. Basically, he created the first replicating cell whose parent is a computer. 
I don't know what kind of podcast you think this is, but I uh, <laughs> I don't understand anything that's happening right now. Okay, so okay, so that so basically they created synthetic life. They created from synthetic nothing. life from nothing. From a computer. From a computer. They wrote the genetic code the same way that you would write computer code, but it was genetic and created a brand new species that did not exist before. Now, what? Well, what is the species? Well, it had a complicated name. I don't know. Sure. Okay. But did they did it like grow it's, up and have feet? No. So and... it's a bacteria. <laughs> okay. It's a bacteria. So it's a bacteria. So it's a single-celled organism, but it can it can replicate. Self-replicate. Self-replicate. And, that, and that's, a, that's a starting point. Once and you it's can a starting create point. one. This means that we could have designer organisms. Well, that's credible. Um... <laughs> but this is like. He did it. Yeah. So now what they're working on, they're working on things like kinds of algae that can capture carbon dioxide to create new hydrocarbons that could go into refineries. They're basically, you know, it's all under the umbrella of capitalism. So they're right. partnering with different big companies. But a lot of what they're using this for are for like environmental things like new fuels, clean water, vaccines, things like that. But... I mean, if you get one, like, mad scientist that's like, I want to create a species that is, you know, something completely different. And what if, like, what if the cars aren't metal? What if we talked about an exoskeleton before? They do tend to bend they and bend. twist What if that's times. more like a, what yeah. if it's more like a cartilage that's spray-painted shiny, but that would allow it to be super hard, mm -hmm. but also bend? And have organic material in it. And I mean, well, this is all this is all new to me. I, okay, I, it almost like you think about how nowadays people are like, you know, there is a way. I, I think like if you're having a baby, you can try to be yeah, like, the I want babies. a boy. Yes. I want a this. I want that. That's like that. the CRISPR technology or whatever, yeah. and that it's similar. It's very similar. Similar to that. To that. So like uh, imagining a world where. Somebody would be like, hey, I spend a lot of time in my car. Wouldn't it be cool if my car was named Gary? And when I walked out in the morning, Gary would say, hey, good morning. Opening yeah. the door for you, boss. Come on in. Let's drive. And they would just drive on their own. You could kick back like all the self-driving cars now. You could, you know, watch something on your phone or send emails or do whatever you want while the car drives you where you're going. Cut, you know, cut forward to a world where humans are gone for whatever reason and all you have are these or since they're using this technology for environmental reasons it could be that we never get ahead of climate change and we have to figure out a way to adapt ourselves to it and the only thing that limits these people is writing the code yeah so if someone can crack the code designer organisms you can do whatever you want well, that is uh, 100% terrifying. Yeah, don't think about it too much. Um, but if we want to talk about one more, at least one more, uh, terrifying organism uh, that, oddly enough, because I didn't know you were going into that, but boy, is there a parallel. Really? Uh, that type of thing seems to maybe be afoot in, uh, in a little TV show that I've watched quite a bit of uh -huh. called Thomas the Train. Oh, no. 
So, uh, you know, it's if you have a child when they turn about two years old, they see a smiling face on the front of a train and they go, well, there's two things I like, smiles and vehicles, and they just <laughs> get right in on it. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's a weird-ish world, but a lot like cars, they give no explanation for this magical existence. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give a little backstory, it was created by uh, the Reverend Wilbert Audrey in 1946. It features anthropomorphic trains. They live on a magical island called Sodor. Uh, Wait, what? Sodor. They live on a magical island? Well, I mean, it's magical because there's trains on well, it that but are they, alive. The they island itself live... is not magical. They live on an island called Sodor. Which... I just thought that Thomas the Train was like in our world. No, no, no. He, so he, Well, Sodor is... So here's the thing. Sodor is... Like, geographically, I would say somewhere off the coast of England. Right. It is on Earth. Okay. There are other, there's other overlap with, you know, America, Japan, other countries where these trains come from. They have the accents of those countries. So it's definitely, okay. it's an Earth-bound world, but with a an odd sort of synthetic uh, creature that is forced to work all day, either hauling freight or carrying passengers, or doing some kind of work for the humans on this island, mm-hmm. where they all work for a fat man, uh, which was in the early days called the Fat Controller, but I think they realized we can't call uh, a character that. Uh, so he is named Sir Topham Hat, and Love he it. runs all of the trains on this island like a mad dictator. Um, and if you think about it for too long, you're like, wait, aren't they just like confined to their rail like they can't get off the rails it's not like they can kind of walk around and do stuff they're just this they're alive clearly they get fed coal into their coal car but they don't really um have much more to do but the books that were like i said books were 1946 and then uh brit alcroft who's a producer found the books and in 1979 kind of got them and started developing them into a tv series uh the first ones were stop motion which is really creepy if you see it. Hmm. Uh, and whenever those would come on when my son was was watching it with me, like if, if you know, it came on the TV and it was one of the stop motion ones, I'd be like, oh, let's watch something else. Yeah. It's really weird. <laughs> but now they've been animated for a long time. A lot of different versions still going today with new episodes, still toys everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those kind of endless churn uh, type of things. Um, they've had a lot of great narrators over the years, Ringo Starr for a while, George Carlin for a oh, while, wow. like really cool, uh, you know, cool stuff. And, um, I'm not going to get it, you know, England, it was Shining Time Station, I think, but there's oh, all yeah, kinds yeah. of different names and, and all that. But the big difference here is that they work for humans. There are humans in the Thomas right. universe. It's like, I always think of the Brave Little Toaster, but then the second you remember that there's a human in it. Yeah, it, fl- it, it flies away. Yeah. And and so I started thinking like, well, humans are behaving almost exactly how you'd expect humans to behave, right? Uh, there's this wonderful, magical creature. So we're going to assert our dominance over it. Of course. We are going to force it to work for us. Mm-hmm. And whether they're brainwashed or not, there's a constant chorus from the trains to be really useful. That's what they want. They want to be really useful. Like that's their meaning that's of life, which is yeah, like oh, I'm I'm really useful. Like someone could have created them as a synthetic organism, which is like your whole job is to be really useful. Yeah. Um, you know, like they're some kind of like weird 
train version of like a Silicon Valley tech bro being like, you should want to work 23 hours a yeah. day. What's wrong with you? You got to rise and grind, loser. Oh God, and but on the British countryside in the 1940s, yeah. that's that basically they were they were the original tech bros. Um, and they also they live in constant fear of being scrapped. So scrapped is like they feel like, oh, if I if I upset Sir Topham Hatt, if I don't do my job, if I'm not really useful, I'm going to get sent to the scrapyard. There's a movie where there's a train hiding in the forest because it feels like it's going to be scrapped. This uh, is way darker than yeah, I thought. No, like it's basically like you're going to be put to death if you don't work hard for the cause. Um, this feels like brainwashing a little bit oh yeah no 100 percent. and capitalist brainwashing yeah and and that relevant parallel is like did we create the cars and we treated them like this and then you know they eventually got smart enough you know you know even if we smiled and we were kind to them and we said oh you're you're our car eventually Mm -hmm. like you know like hal in 2001 they're gonna like they're gonna get wise to it and if they realize that either they're in danger or you know long term they're in danger that we're ruining the planet and they need to stop us they're gonna do that Mm -hmm. um and as i've watched it a lot like i've watched it way too much um (laughs) The trains never really have conflicts with the humans. Like, they do kind of live in fear of them. And, you know, but unlike the cars, this is the one the one place where it sort of, you know, goes off the rails. <laughs> yeah. Is that the trains can't get off the rails. Right? They right. are confined to the... So once you get them on the rails, it's not like they could rise up and defeat you. Because you could just be like, oh, I'm going to, like destroy the track and then yeah. they're just going to sit there. Or I'm just going to walk a few feet away. Yeah, and, and they can't me. they can't do anything. So could they destroy humanity? Probably not. Yeah. And they have a limited number of friends who aren't confined to the tracks. Like, you know, there's Bertie the bus, there's mm-hmm. Harold the helicopter, there's Jeremy the jet plane, who at best could commit half a 9-11, yeah. right? That's all he could do. He's one plane. Right. He could take out one building. That's the extent of what these trains could really do. And there's not enough penetration, especially when you consider the state of the U.S. rail system, huh? Infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, there's not a real impact they could have globally because they can't sort of... We would figure out another way. We'd, we would figure it we out. We would go to the cars. We would go to the planes. And the, well, and then, but if they're all friends... They are all friends. They could get together, but they also seem to be a lot more rare yeah. Then the car, like the cars are ubiquitous. It's like the cars are everywhere here. The trains, there's a limited number of them. They're outnumbered by people. They rely on people for coal. They can't, they can't get their coal, shovel it in, do all that. That's they all, true. The second they run out. Yeah. And what's really weird, like this always really creeped me out about the shows. They all like, occasionally you would see as they're going and they're like a, a living train with a face who's like, doing stuff but then you look and there is a conductor inside of them so it's like what's that person doing like it's just kind of like the monorail driver at like at (laughs) disney where you're like you're not really you're pressing a button like there's not a lot of different variations that this could do um but they do like they meet trains from other countries you know there's a train from japan named hero there's trains from the u.s there's a train from india so they how do you know, they all meet how do they get there they well they will lift them up with cranes put them on boats and take them over okay so it becomes more of like and they've done they had a train race at some but like there's a lot of different the overlap with 
you know, when you have kids in vehicles, you're like, well, they want to see racing and they want to see yeah. different trains that reflect them and their their culture and personality and well, so you have it's all, all these supposed to be one big allegory for something yeah then... exactly and yeah. what that is i don't want to know so I but i would reverend. say yeah this could be the blueprint but i think the locked down nature of the trains on an island too yeah. which sort of does cut them off it's not like they're free to go I don't somewhere know. Life else finds a way it, it does as john hammond told us but <laughs> i would just say fairly unlikely parallel for what we're dealing with yeah, it's so hard with these things because one little incongruity blows everything apart. Blows it all apart, yeah. And that's where that's where I kind of come with the science fiction stuff yeah. where it's like there's there's potential, there's parallels. Yeah. But see, that's why I like this whole synthetic life thing because the only thing holding them back is the code. And if you can write this code that just... I mean, our brains are the same. Personalities are pretty much the same. It's really just the shape of the bodies. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it would have to be on such a scale Yeah. that to, to get to this point, it would have to be on such a scale that people, and again, look, there's, there's housing shortages. Are people living in these, uh, these full, you know, car extension yeah. of self type of uh i don't I know i mean you see like mater sleeps in the junkyard and is fine with it even he the does. cozy cone it's like the room is if we were to equate it to humans it would literally just give be giving you a bed yeah it's like you just back in and you, you just, go to sleep yeah. and then you get out in the morning yeah um yeah i mean so that's uh do you have anything else on the in the science fiction realm to discuss no, because honestly, once I found that synthetic life, I was, I was all in. Yeah, that no, that's a very, that's a very credible theory. It's um, way far in the future because they are still doing like single-celled organisms, but their next step is like multi-cell. Yeah, it organisms. gets more complex. It grows exponentially, and in a hundred years. And they talk a lot about ethics right now. They like they literally are submitting these things to ethics boards and it went through the white house and everything the white house i know you, you know what he said he said when they first started doing this in like 2003 they showed like the white house and they said everything and then it was up to them to decide if they make it public knowledge or not well george w bush exhibited a lot of uh really shrewd thinking well i mean he made it public knowledge <laughs> which i'm really grateful for but i was thinking like what if he didn't? Yeah, unlike unlike Jeremy the Jet Plane, he caused a full 9/11. Uh, we got there uh, on this. Audience. Hello, what? <laughs> uh, I'll leave that up to you to cut it out or keep it in. But uh, yeah, I think that sort of that wraps up science fiction. Which again, we have a lot of very interesting theories yeah. that well, as how do you we're... feel? Do you feel like you have found a credible theory? Because... I'm leaning. I'm leaning towards a theory right now that it. It does involve bits and pieces mm -hmm. from a lot of the things we talked about, which is kind of what I thought would happen. Right. Um, but we have uh, we have one more episode to get to here yeah. of theories that are, you know, as we've as we've moved a little bit away from pure science and what we know here on Earth. We're now, uh, I mean, we're in a space shuttle flying among down. the stars. We do have to land at some point. Um, 
we're now going to spend the next episode looking at things that are, again, not even science fiction. Let's call them supernatural I'm gonna say supernatural. yeah we're gonna we're gonna kind of see is there you know and again that's not to say that supernatural things are provable by science but we're really looking at are they provable within the universe of cars right is we there have to evidence look at everything everything and that'll likely be our our final episode and then we'll be able to um you know come up with a big theory yeah. on what's on what's going on but uh until next time, I'll just say ka-chow. Ka-chow. This has been Kahao. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to rate us, review us, and subscribe to our podcast. Big thanks to Bouchel for our music and to Ivy Rain Art for our artwork. Links to their socials are in the show notes. Also in the show notes, check for any articles we mentioned in this episode and be sure to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Pod. That's K-A-H-O-W-P-O-D. If you have any wild theories of your own that we didn't cover or would like to tell us we're stupid and virtually run us over with your car, send us an email at kahowpod at gmail.com. Kahow Podcast is in no way affiliated with Disney or Pixar. We're simply fans with way too much time on our tires. <laughs>